0: Hi, this is Dave Denton of Dave's Voice Works and Radio Guy Reflections and TurnbuckleTrash.net. Two great podcasts, one about professional wrestling and one about radio. And it's all on Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, here's a great way to make a podcast. Use Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast because, hey, it's free. And they give all the creation tools that allow you to record and edit any podcast you'd like to do right from your computer. Use Anchor. Anchor, the best way to podcast and the best way to listen to Turnbuckle Trash or Radio Guy Reflections. This is Radio Guy Reflections. 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 Reflection.
1: Open your ears real wide and say, Give it to me, straight doctor. I can take it.
0: Here is a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace
1: of today's exciting radio. So, you guys hear
0: anything good on the radio lately? On November the 2nd, 1920, the first radio station, KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, signed on the air. Over the years, radio has changed from radio dramas and live performances to the age of the disc jockey, from the man many believe popularized the term rock and roll Alan Freed and legendary radio personalities like Wolfman Jack, Dick Clark, Charlie Tuna, Don Imus, and the men who made talk radio what it is today. Rush Limbaugh, Howard Stern, Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck. Hi, I'm Dave Denton. I'm a radio guy and even went by that name on the air in Missouri. I'm a radio veteran who started spinning records in 1974 and have seen the industry change from 45s to LPs, carded music, CDs and now music on hard drives in this podcast. We'll take a look back, not only at my career, but other men and women who have worked in radio, entertaining you. This is Radio Guy Reflections. So right now, we're going to take a a look at Book It. It's a a game, it's a a board game, card game, that is uh, about pro wrestling, and Paul Laporte joins us. Paul, before we get into the workings of the game, I want to thank you for being on Turnbuckle Trash and Radio Guy Reflections.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Dave. I
0: appreciate the time, and I think we're going to have some fun here. I've been researching your game, and I'm just thinking it's a fascinating concept. But before we get into the game itself, I want to talk about your connection with pro wrestling, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. I want to talk about when you started watching and who were some of your favorites first.
1: So I always like to joke that um, I was kind of born into being a pro wrestling fan because I was born March 29th, 1985, which was two days before the first WrestleMania. <laughs> um, so I, I think I was just kind of like the stars were aligned for it. But um, I, so I really started watching pro wrestling at like really as far back as I can remember. Cause my dad watched it. My dad watched the WWF cause I'm, you know, New York guy. So I was born up there. I actually have family who live in Stanford, Connecticut, which is right where, WWF titan towers headquarters and everything are so I had kind of a connection there and growing up That was really the main thing that you know everybody watched in the Northeast. So um, You know I started at the very young age uh, And obviously, you know you first start off you like all the all the baby faces You know Hulk Hogan macho man when he was a face, you know And when he wasn't you hated him probably the first one that I really really heavily Gravitated towards was Shawn Michaels Mm. because that was right around the time when I was getting into like appreciating more less, you know, less the, the good guy, bad guy story and more the, like, this guy is kind of a cool guy who can do very interesting things in the ring. And then when I got a little bit older into, like, my, my early and mid-teens, I kind of discovered and started moving over to WCW right during that kind of Monday Night War when it was first starting. Around the time I was... Uh, 19, 20 years old. Uh, I met some people who were actually training to be wrestlers. You know, they were actually wrestling students. Mm-hmm. They were wrestling at a school in Montreal, uh, that was run by IWS, which is the, uh, a promotion that, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came out of, okay. um, as, as well as some other people, um, the dark order, uh, evil uno and Sue Grayson came out of there as well. So I would go up there with them once a month. It was like a four hour drive and just, uh, my friend was doing roughing at the time, so then you just kind of hang around and you start to be a ring crew and you start to do security. And I'm sure you and anyone else who has ever been to an independent show knows – that if you show up to the show early, they will find something for you to do. So I basically did everything. And everybody asked me, like, oh, I want to get involved in wrestling. Show up three hours early and offer to help, and they will find something for you to do, and there's your in. That's literally how it starts. Um, That was, like, my in into, like, the backstage side of things. And then as my friends' workers, you know, actually working in the ring and running the shows, uh, then, again, when I went with them, it would just kind of turn into – how can I help? And then from there, I started doing like just brought my laptop along and basically just set it up near, you know, backstage or near the ring or wherever that didn't sound too terrible. And then just started doing basically commentary for them. I think the first uh, couple shows I did, nobody ever heard because the promoter never actually put the DVDs out. Yeah, I just <laughs> joked that I just screamed into the void for you know three hours. But uh, you know, I had had background in public speaking and a little bit of broadcasting, which we'll, you know, obviously talk more about later, but that was where I realized, like, I think I can contribute the most in this particular area. A few years later, uh, my friend who was wrestling decided that he wanted to run his own promotion and start opening up. Uh, Truly Independent Wrestling was the name of the company. It's, it's still, it's obviously on hiatus because of pandemic stuff, but he's, he still runs it. Um, and then I was going to be the commentary guy, you know, mm-hmm. because I was, I was good at that. You know, he needed a guy. I was happy to do it. Uh, but then, uh, late towards the first show, the guy he had planned on being the general manager fell through, backed out, whatever it was. So then he needed me to do, he needed somebody to do that, and he asked me to do that. So when he started up the company, I did double duty. I was, um, was kind of like the color guy. You know, I was kind of a mix of color and play by play. We kind of both shared those duties. And then I was the general manager, so I was the authority figure. Started to kind of make the game and, you know, started working with those things. Uh, and uh, and then eventually got to the point where um, – commitments for the game and just a little bit of burnout which again if anybody who's been involved in wrestling for a bit after like three four years you hit that point where it's like okay i just kind of want to stay home every weekend (laughs) Um, i moved away from the commentary booth i moved away from the on-character spot and i was just kind of helping backstage right until before the pandemic hit and then that's that's where i'm at now
0: but let's talk about your game and it's called Mm -hmm. book it before we get into how it's played i want people to know how to get a copy of this very fascinating game for you and your friends
1: sure so uh the full name of the game is book it the professional wrestling the pro wrestling promoter card game um but book it is the shorthand that everybody uses uh you can get it in a couple places uh you can get it either through our website which is uh foamhammergames.com so like foam like the squishy material hammer like the thing you hit a nail with games.com all one word um, you can get it through there, um, or it is also, if you're in the United States, it's available on Amazon as well. Um, if you go through our website, we get a little bit more of a cut of it. So if I had my choice, I'd say go there, but, you know, whatever works best for you. Also, if you're international, uh, then a, you can only get it through the website because we have some international distribution set up through there.
0: Oh, that that's actually very, very cool. So let's talk about the game itself. And the thing I found fascinating about it is because the game isn't necessarily just inside the ropes, this is where you are the promoter. You're building a promotion. You're getting your own wrestlers. Let, let's talk about how the game is played, and how do you start the game itself? Okay,
1: so the idea of the game, and you mentioned it, is that everybody is running their own independent wrestling company. Specifically, like I said, I wanted to gear it more towards the smaller side of wrestling, independent wrestling, things like that. Not necessarily like you're running a big company, but like a smaller one. Funny aside, the reason I actually made this was for my wrestler friends, we were all going on a camping trip for Fourth of July weekend, and I we all played board games and things like that. So I decided I wanted to make a game that would kind of pop them, that would kind of get them interested, you know. And uh, I decided I'm like, I want to make a game about wrestling. But to me, you know, being somebody who is a fan of wrestling, I know that actually, like one guy fighting another guy, that's a comp- that's a cooperative effort. Like mm-hmm. it's not competitive. You know, these are people working together. So where is the competition? competitions between the actual companies themselves so there's there's kind of where it came from oh that's so awesome the reason yeah so the uh, the way you the play the way you play is you start off first by choosing what style of company that you want to be there's different styles of wrestling strong style hardcore lucha libre sports entertainment or hybrid so you pick that and then you pick that with everybody else and you don't necessarily know what other people picked until you all reveal it at the same time so maybe you have some people you're competing with or whatnot And then the game takes place over six turns and each turn you are choosing a venue. So you're deciding what city you want to run your show in and different cities have different advantages for different types of wrestlers or types of promotions and things like that. Uh, Then you are uh, spending the next part of your turn actually signing the wrestlers. So basically there's a marketplace that gets laid out. Wrestlers have certain values for how much money they can make you, how good of a wrestler they actually are, and then how much they're going to cost you. Uh, And then you Buy your wrestlers to try and you know, plan your show out. Uh, then once you're done with that, you actually lay the match out. So you draw so many cards from all of the wrestlers you've signed, and then you start to actually put down matches. And certain wrestlers will put on better matches if they're paired up with people who are similar to them. So, for example, if two guys have the same star power, so they're about the same amount of famous, they're called marketable, which means they get a little bit more money because people are interested in seeing these two people wrestle each other because they're kind of of a similar level. Uh, if they're the same work rate, so they're about the same level of wrestler, they are compatible, which means that you will get, they'll put on a better match because they're kind of the same skill level and they kind of just gel together better. Um, so you kind of lay out your matches based on those factors. Uh, then at the end of that phase, you determine basically how good the show was. So, you take all of the ratings of the matches, which is, it's not, it's not officially, it's kind of like very loosely based off of like a Meltzer, like five-star sort of system, so like, you know, the matches can be, you know, zero through, I think the highest one can be like eight, but you know, so it's kind of like along those lines, you total up all those ratings, and then that determines how good the show actually was, and then from there, that increases your reputation, so how good of a show you had increases your reputation, which is basically the victory points of the game. The person with the most reputation at the end wins the game, but also the higher reputation you have, you get extra money, from people who are buying tickets basically based on your reputation and word of mouth. So you can kind of go a few different routes with it. You can say, okay, well, do I want to focus on being a very work-rate-focused company and putting on great matches? Do I want to be a little bit more entertainment-based and pulling more money? Because at the end of the game, you get reputation for how much money you have. So I really tried to want to balance it out so people could have different philosophies of, do you want to make a promotion that is focused on making money? Do you want one that's focused on making good matches? Do you want to do a little bit of both? So there's a lot of actually different types of strategy and nuance that are involved in the game. Obviously, there's a little bit more to it than I can you know, explain here, but that's the, that's the gist of it. And then at the end of the game, person with the highest reputation wins. Um, and I specifically said that if there was a tie... Uh, then the internet just argues about it forever and there's no tiebreaker. I just like, like real of, stuff, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that was the whole reason that I wanted to do it like that. Yeah. I, I definitely put it in front of people who just don't watch wrestling at all, and I tried my best to make it still a good game and a fun game because characters are very colorful. You know, it kind of has a very kind of um, light and satirical vibe, especially there's other cards that you can buy that kind of, can either um, benefit you or hinder your opponent, and that kind of adds some color to it. So there's, like, cards there that are for, like, an intermission raffle can make you some extra money, or, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody's a driving buddy of somebody else, so you get to come along for free. And then on the dirt sheet side, those are the ones that, like, negatively affect your opponents. Like, one of your wrestlers holds you up for more money, or your venue got double booked, and you have to pick a new one. So Mm -hmm. there's there's a little bit of, like, kind of color in that, and that combined with the characters. I think it does make it for... um, you know, a good experience for people who are just very casual wrestling fans or people who aren't wrestling fans at all but if you are a you know a a quote-unquote serious wrestling fan um the inside jokes and the rabbit holes go very very deep in that game there's a lot of like very like and and it's mostly modern wrestlers but it definitely does we have some old throwbacks we have callbacks to old events that have happened or old things that have happened. We have some older wrestlers in there. Like there's a, there's a pretty good mix. So depending on, you know, like how serious of a wrestling fan or how long time of a wrestling fan you've been, there'll be something for you to discover that maybe other people haven't necessarily picked up on amongst your friends or things like that. I booked it in mind with some of the experiences I and my friends had had uh, when going through the independent circuits and working with the different companies we worked with. And so, yeah, I think just by nature, there is a lot of similarities between those and territory-style promotions that were back in the 80s and the 90s and, and even in the 70s and earlier.
0: Okay, well, before we get into how this wrestling business has kind of morphed into a career uh, outside of wrestling because you do some other things, uh, let's talk yeah. about how people can uh, get the game. Book it, the uh, wrestling promoter game. I can't can't remember what you call it. I don't have it in front of me. So, how do you? A
1: wrestling promoter card game. That's right. It, that's it's, right. It's, it's yeah. Enough. Okay. It's totally fine. It's okay. Totally fine. Um. So yes, if you're if you're interested in picking up the game, uh, you can either get it from our website, which is foamhammergames.com. So foam like the squishy stuff, hammer like the thing you hit with a nail, games dot com all one word we have an online shop there we have the base game and two expansions that are available right now that add in other wrestlers uh different mechanics things like that um and then or you can get it through amazon if you're in the u.s uh we do get a little bit more of a cut of it if you get it through the website but if amazon works better for you that's totally fine uh and then if you're international then um you can only get it through the website we have like uh, some international distribution set up so either of those places are good um it uh, retails for forty dollars uh and it's pretty pretty consistent price, but every once in a while we have some coupon codes that pop up and whatnot. So if you like, follow, like, pay attention to us on social media or things like that, you might be able to snag it on a discount. But let's talk about uh, okay.
0: some of the other things. You, you have an MMA background. Your wife does roller mm-hmm. derby. So you've been involved with that. And how did the, the wrestling, the MMA, and doing roller derby morph into a, a small radio career? I, I'm fascinated on how this started.
1: So yeah, it's it's just another thing of, it's, it's funny because um, roller derby and pro wrestling are so, so similar in terms of just the, the kind of environment you're operating in. You know, it's, it's a lot of people who are making, you know, basically in, in roller derby, it's really nothing. You are really making no money at all, but you're traveling sometimes four or five, six hours to go play another team, uh, you know, in terms of the production and whatnot, like it's pretty similar uh, in terms of, you know, injuries and physical fitness and whatnot. It's pretty similar in terms of infighting among people who are, who are all, you know, working together on the same team or in the same promotion. It's pretty similar. Like, there are so many similarities with it, and my wife got involved in it at first. I play a little bit, and then I, as a similar thing to pro wrestling. I just kind of did a little bit of everything. I was a referee for a little while. I played for a little while. You know, I've done different you know jobs for scorekeeping and all the different little Um, non-stating official rules or types of of rules is what they're called and then again I just kind of the last one I landed on was you need an announcer I'll be your announcer and Mm -hmm. and again I was just very comfortable with it I've just always been pretty comfortable public speaking Um, you know I was uh, a lector in church I was all these different things you know I I won an essay contest when I was in second grade and I had to read the essay in front of the whole school that was kind of like my first time I was just very comfortable with it. So I just kind of gravitated towards those things. It was the same thing with roller derby. Now for mixed martial arts, it was really less me um, knowing anybody um, as opposed to the other ones. And it was just a thing of right. I I got very interested into it right around that time where kind of everybody in the world got really interested in it right around like the early mid two thousands when the UFC was really hitting its big Renaissance and pride FC was still around and whatnot. And I really kind of, I kind of stopped following wrestling as much for a little bit at that time, especially, like, any big promotions. Like, I still pay attention to, like, Ring of Honor and, like, a little bit of Impact, but I wasn't really watching WWE at that time. Um, And I just kind of shifted all of that energy to watching the martial arts because I I just liked the the sport of it, and, you know, there was some kind of characters and a lot of kind of colorful, you know, color to it and whatnot. So from there, I just kind of... um, started again like i just wanted to talk about it so i had i did have a friend of mine who was like a long distance friend who lived in ohio who uh, he actually had fought for like king of the cage and things like that and he had like a martial arts background so you know in our discussions and our conversations about you know what what mma event there was if it was a ufc show or pride show we were just like we should just let's just record this like we're just talking we might as well like record this and put this out and we started doing shows where we would you know, talk about it. Uh, eventually, we started actually interviewing fighters, which again is a very similar thing of just just ask them if you can interview them, and a lot of the time they'll just tell you yes. It doesn't, you know, even if you're like not that big or you're only like working to a few people or whatever, like they'll they'll still they'll still do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like just ask them, and they'll they'll usually be all right. Uh, so you know, we had some people on. We did that for pretty regularly for about three to four years, uh, and then um, when doing that. It was really around the point where MMA started becoming legal in New York, so people were kind of flirting with the idea of having, like, amateur shows. It started off as, like, amateur kickboxing event- events in a cage, but um, the UFC fighter Matt Hamill is from Utica, so he got kind of a heavy involvement in it and kind of helped, like, start up a promotion. Uh, so basically that was another similar thing of uh, I just showed up and asked them to interview guys and, you know, like, do, like, a report of the show for my website it's just coverage for them so they're fine with it you know um, so they just like let me like interview people and you know I sat there asking questions in the press row and everything like that mm-hmm. and um, from there you know I started to know some people who ran the local sports radio station uh, and they were just like hey do you want to want to do we want to do like an MMA related show Do you and your you know your co-host want to do it for for radio um, and you know, I was like, yeah, sure, definitely. And, uh, and it was funny cause it was, it was, a pretty small station and, uh, you know, they, they kind of like took us through like, you know, the different sound boards and like all the things that you're doing, you know, if you're actually operating a radio show and here I was when I agreed to it thinking like, okay, cool, well, I'll have a guy running this stuff for me, and then I can just talk, and, you know, it'll be good. <laughs> and right. Then, <laughs> and then, you know, laugh, because you know where this is going. Um, and, then, uh, and then the first day, like, okay, here's your key to the studio, just, you know, like, you have to be on air at four, and you're good to go. <laughs> so oh. I'd, I would literally be the only one in the studio, unlock, I'd be running the board, I'd be running the music, and I'd have to try and do, like, you know, and actually talk during the show in between (laughs) so so you know and that's and i always like i haven't done it in a long time we wrapped up i think like in 2018 or 2019 something along those lines actually no it was earlier than that i think it was like 2016 i'm not sure but it's been a while and every time i am uh like driving down the road and i hear like the radio playing and like that situation where like one person's talking and it's overlapping with like a commercial, or like two things are kind of on top of each other. I just know there's a guy in the control room just scrambling, hitting buttons, trying to get it straight now. Like I like I can just see that person. I'm like, oh no! Like I always get that like nervousness for them too. So, I mean, that was that was. It was almost like you were trying to, like, play a musical instrument, like, running a radio show. Like, you had to, like, hit so many buttons and adjusting so many ways, and you had to get into, like, a rhythm of doing things and whatnot, and it was really fun. Like, I had a, I had a great time with it, and we were actually fortunate enough to get picked up for, like, a small, like, national, like, syndication deal. I always say that, you know, like, when I was, like, a nationally syndicated radio host, it sounds way more special than it actually was. Wow. But it was cool. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool being able to, like, turn into into, like, the like the the radio station for arizona at like 11 o'clock at night and then here's the thing you recorded like the previous day it's, it's definitely a cool feeling but you know i have I, I and then similarly you know once i started getting more into back into independent wrestling and stuff like that i kind of lost interest in mma um but i'm starting to get it back a little bit more you know specifically with there's a, a great promotion that's actually being run out of singapore called one championship uh that a lot of great it's actually like a mixture of like mixed martial arts kickboxing muay thai a lot of men's women divisions women's divisions like it's a very very fun show i like it a lot you know so i'm kind of getting getting back into it steadily so nothing really leaves me permanently i don't think i'll probably ever do anything like podcast related or radio related again with that just because i don't think i have the time for it anymore but it's fun being a fan of that again
0: well being a fan is the best part about doing some of this stuff but when you were doing uh your radio show. Uh that f- that first time, did you make a mistake? Did you did you leave the mic on and say some words or <laughs> anything like that?
1: I was I think I was I was lucky that I was very conscious of never leaving the mic hot. Oh good. Um that was probably the one thing I never did. Usually what would happen is um yeah you know, we would have to like cut to like the um like, you know how you have, like, the, the news broadcast at the top of the hour that's, like, like recorded, and so you, like, you would flip over to that, you like, flip over to the feed of that and then come back, and, and then that would happen. Um, I had the opposite problem of, I would have the mic muted when we came back from break, and I would just be talking completely to nothing for, you know, for the first minute or so, until somebody's like, oh, I think you're muted, Paul. Like, oh, crap, you know, and then, and then unmute that. So I had those issues, uh, and then, as far as just like other you know, like anecdotes and stuff, in addition to doing like a weekly show, we would also do, I would also be kind of like responsible for doing if there was an MMA event in town, which again, it was usually like an amateur show, I would be doing the broadcast of the commentary from right from Cage side. like literally wow. our our desk, our table was up against the cage, and it was so cool. Um, but those were that was probably of all the different things I've done uh, for broadcasting commentary, announcing, whatever it may be, those are probably the hardest things to do because it was, it was like 16 matches and you're talking the whole time and maybe there's like a minute break in between them and, you know, you can't take a break in between the rounds because you're kind of like discussing what had happened and what they need to do and whatnot. And then, like I said, in between the fights, there's like a one-minute commercial break and then you're back. And it's like that for like four straight hours. And I just left those shows, like, I would go home and basically collapse. Like, it, it's funny, too. And I'm, I'm curious if, if you have the same experience of you get, like, a real physical exhaustion from doing a long broadcast where you're actually tired. You, you've been sitting there. You haven't done anything physical. But your brain is firing so much for so long that you just wear yourself out. Have you had a similar experience to that?
0: Oh, man, uh, uh, several times. Uh, you know, I, I've done my radio show where I'd start at 6 o'clock in the morning, so I'd have to get up at 4.30 or 5, go to the show, and then uh, when I was working in small-town radio, I would have to do other things, you know, the commercials and all that. And then at 6 o'clock at night, I got to go to a high school and broadcast a high school football or basketball game. Now, a few years ago, I was also the in-stadium announcer, the the inside-the-stadium announcer for the Utah State Aggie football team. And uh, I remember one particular uh, sh- show that I had started my morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, and we had a lot of stuff going on at the radio station I worked at. I picked up my wife in the afternoon. We had to be at the stadium by 6 o'clock that night for a 7 o'clock game. So we're there, and we're getting prepared, and I have a script in front of me uh, doing the inside the, uh, the stadium announcing, and I have to do all these commercials live live, uh, and I'm also doing the, you know, Aggie first down, you know, th- that kind of stuff. And then we had a lightning delay of almost an hour. And oh, now, it, get, it gets it gets worse. <laughs> because of this lightning delay, the halftime show was basically canceled, although they had a little band get out there and do that kind of thing. Uh, the, so they had the just the normal length of the halftime. But after the game, they had fireworks. So I had to stay and announce the fireworks show. I got out of that stadium (laughs) at 1.30 a.m. And I I only live a few blocks from the place. And I thought I was going to die from where the stadium is to my house, which was maybe a half a mile. I was so exhausted because I had been on all day long. Uh, and when oh, I say wow. on, you know, you're in character, your right. your yep. brain is constantly moving, and I was exhausted for two days. It was unreal.
1: Uh, so how do you announce a fireworks show? It's like, ooh, look at that. Yeah, go, ooh, look purple. But
0: I'm sitting there asking <laughs> you. Wow. Yeah,
1: that's a big starburst. It's <laughs> kind of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like its own. It really provides its own own commentary. Well, I, I had, had, to, do like, it, I had <laughs> to do
0: a script beforehand saying, no ladies and gentlemen
1: yeah yeah, and then i did
0: it at the end thank you for coming uh, to the show and uh next up the aggie football game we'll play but i was going to ask you the same thing how do you do play-by-play for mma uh
1: i mean i mean it's i mean it's really well again so we were doing it for the radio so this is the idea that the people weren't cuz this wasn't broadcast on TV I don't think maybe one mm. of them was broadcast on the internet but really it was done like you would do like a football game or a basketball game where it's you are literally calling the action in the ring like here's a guy here's the guy here's who's throwing punches here's who's in trouble here's you know a takedown here's who's going for a submission and that is real fast paced right. you know like again it's just kind of like going back and forth roller derby is similar but there is there are more natural breaks in between so it's a little bit easier i have done probably Longer things because I've done roller derby tournaments where there was like, you know, six, eight games in a day, and I probably did at least four, five, six of them, you know. Right. Um, so I've had, but there's like more like, there's kind of like a cadence, like a general rest period. But for mixed martial arts, again, especially because the idea was that we're calling it for the radio, these people are not watching what's going on. You're basically just describing like everything you can. And it's pretty similar to like if you've watched like a UFC show. Um, or anything like that. It's, it's a pretty similar thing, but there is even on top of that like an extra level of just calling like every little bit of action that's happening the most you can. And I'm lucky in that I, I feel like this is like kind of an announcer skill that you need to have too. And people like always can ask me like, oh, how do you like talk this quickly? Or how do you keep up with things? And I always say that I have a direct connection between my eyes and my mouth. (laughs) I have the ability to just immediately relay anything I see without having to think about it. And that makes it like a lot easier to be able to do. And I think that that's, I think that that's just in general an announcer skill that you kind of need to have. Like you need to just be able to like, I see this thing, I describe this thing. I don't need to think about like anything in between.
0: And then just like in athletics, you can get into a zone. I don't know if this ever happened Mm -hmm. to you. I was broadcasting a basketball game one night, and I was training a guy to do uh, play-by-play at the same time. And by the way, uh, Scott Gerrard, who was on our Radio Guy Reflections, uh, is the Utah Sportscaster of the Year for 2020, and he was on our podcast. And I was the one that helped train him. I don't want to say all trained him in, on how to do play-by-play on sports because he learned from some other great uh, announcers like Craig Bowlerjack, who used to work for CBS and now works for the Utah Jazz, but I was doing this game, and I'm trying to help Scott along the way, and this basketball game got into one of those segments where the ball was everywhere. I mean, it it was being mm-hmm. kicked. It was being turned over. Great plays. I mean, it was just – and the next thing I know, this segment was done, and I didn't even know I had been on the air because I was just following it. Just It's like I called it being in the zone and uh, scotty g yeah. he just kind of looked at me and did the
1: we're not worthy we're not worthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely had that scenario where i've gone to i'd gone especially for like roller derby i'd gone to a couple places and a lot of times for roller derby announcers it's it's not the job they want. It's the job that gets dumped onto them. Right. It's like we need somebody to do this. We don't have anyone. You're you know, you have protested the, the, the least loudly. So here you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I definitely ran into a couple people like that who I would just same thing. I just kind of like get on a run of just speaking nonstop for four or five straight minutes. Uh, and then they would just look at me again, at like, how are you able to do this? We don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've definitely run into situations, you know, talking about like kind of training people where, you know, like I had somebody like one of the skaters or like a friend or relative or whatever, who was like, we need like another announcer, you know, because it was usually like a two-person team. Right. And I'd be like, we want a second announcer or we want somebody if you're not available or whatever. So like you try and like train them. And I don't know if you ever ran into this or a scenario like that, but there would definitely be times where I would be like, you're like – you know that if you're working on a two person team, you have to like, there's like a back and a forth, like a back and forth that you right. do. So, like, you run for a little bit and then you stop because you don't want to, you know, like, you don't want to have to have you know, each guy talk over each other. So, you talk, and you stop, and then they talk, and they stop, and then back and forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then there definitely be times where, like, i talking, 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 stop nothing <laughs> they were just completely oh. pleased and not anything and I'm like, okay, here we go. And you just keep going on, like and then hope they come up with something the second time around, you know, like so there's definitely that. Again, like I think it's it's it is a certain in certain ways a skill you're born with, but it is something that can be developed, but you definitely need to like you know, like getting into the zone of it is definitely a good way to describe it because it is a thing of I am not thinking about this. It is just happening. Here we go. And, yeah, that, that definitely is, is something I've experienced.
0: Well, uh, I, I wanted to ask you one more – or I wasn't going to ask you. I was going to tell you about another radio experience, and this is not to do with me. But I, when you were talking about broadcasting in the MMA, I remembered when I was living just outside of St. Louis that uh, right in the height of the Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania thing, uh, a big uh-huh. show came to Bush Stadium in St. Louis, and it was going to be, of course, a stadium show – and KMOX AM a big 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 radio station in the midwest one of the top rated stations in the country they actually broadcast the entire WWE show from bush stadium and i i was on the road that weekend and i remember listening to it and thinking how can they do this and make it oh yeah you know make it flow and and describing the things and they obviously have one announcer the new professional wrestler Wrestling, and then another one that had no complete idea what he was doing. Oh yeah! But I was fascinated as a wrestling fan and a radio guy that I was listening to, like back in the old days when the Lamont Radio Network would actually broadcast the professional wrestling matches on the radio. I was just completely fascinated by that, and I, I, my hat's off to you for doing MMA because I, I know so little about that that I. I would have messed that up, man. That's awful.
1: Art, it, it's it's funny because they definitely did that with us in the Northeast, too. I remember when shows, when they used to, it was usually house shows. Occasionally, they would do a taping. But, yeah, they would do them at the Utica Memorial Auditorium, which is, you know, where I did a lot of the MMA shows and stuff out of. Um, and then it was the same thing. Yeah, the early shows they used to do, probably, like, early, early 90s and then, like, backwards. Um, they would broadcast on the radio and it was the same thing of, uh, and if it was one of the shows that I couldn't go to, which was, I usually went, you know, if, if my parents, you know, if it worked out for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you could hear them on the radio and I don't, I don't think that that's something that necessarily happens anymore, but it's, it's funny. It's, it's really amazing when you think about it, how, how kind of integral an announcer is to that and how important they are kind of telling the story and and kind of communicating those things effectively and how much they can do, even if you're not watching it, you know, like even if you're not watching it at all, you can still if a, if a, if a person's good, if an announcer is good. And like you said, there always is kind of like if you're lucky, there's one person who really knows their stuff and one person who maybe doesn't as much. And I think that's true for like a lot of different sports or a lot of different things where you know, it's, it's kind of like, this is not in their wheelhouse, especially like if it's their normal announced crew. And, you know, they're used to, this is the same team that they're using for hockey mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be your football or basketball. And they're used to doing this, but now they're stuck with doing this. <laughs> and you hope that one of them's a really big fan or that you can get somebody in last second. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's really amazing just in general for like anything. I was actually at a dirt track, uh, you know, like, um uh dirt track races last night you know like uh stock cars and different sprint cars and things like that There's a small speedway by us so we went out and checked it out and then they have like a play-by-play like you know like radio transmitter there and uh you know just going to the concession stand hearing different things for that it's like you know you really can get a lot of pictures just from the words that are that are being described to you and i think that that's that is people don't especially if you're talking about like Small leagues and things like that. Like roller derby, you ran into this issue a lot where it was a thing of like in roller derby, you know, sometimes the announcers, the referees would be upset because they couldn't hear themselves over the announcers and they'd want to turn down like the mic feed or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, like it's too loud, like we can't hear each other. And I'm like, I was a referee. I know you can use hand signals. I'm not turning nothing down. (laughs) Like, I don't (laughs) care about it. Like, my job is to make sure that the people who pay money understand what's going on here. Like, if they don't pay their money, then we can't do this. I, I answer to them. I don't answer to you. Right. Like, I would usually be a little bit more diplomatic of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll turn it down, sure. And you go and you fake turning down the knob, but you leave it exactly where it is, you know. <laughs> or you turn it down for, like, one, like, like a few minutes, and you start to creep it back up to where it was before, <laughs> you know. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, I don't think people, especially, again, if you're, like, an athlete in a sport or, like, you're your kind of running things, you may kind of neglect or not be concerned about how important the commentary is. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, I don't know if, you know, if you've ever like watched a match with no commentary, like it's, it's watchable, but you're, something's missing. Like something is definitely missing. And it's funny because it doesn't even need to be commentary in a language, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're watching a new Japan match and you're watching those with, with the Japanese commentary, and you know, like I, I speak a little Japanese, but like not no nowhere near enough to understand what's going on there. Even just the, the the changes of tone of voice and the urgency and you know the back and the forth, it it adds something to it that that just kind of can, like adds an element to the story that if you don't have it there, you know, if you're watching live, it's it's you're like it's fine because I honestly think that pro wrestling is best experienced in like a group of like 200 people you know, where where it's like a small independent show like that is the best way to take it in. But if you are watching it anywhere other than you are there in that moment, if you're watching a video or you're watching at home or whatever and you don't have that commentary there, it, it can definitely detract from it. And in the same way, that commentary can detract from it as well. And I'm sure your listeners if you've heard some of the WWE commentary, sometimes they 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 take so they take focus away from the match, they take attention from what's going away from what's going on in the ring, and it and it can affect the match as a result of that.
0: I'm trying to remember the uh, the match I was watching one time, and I mentioned on our podcast that uh, Michael Cole, who I'm not a huge fi- fan of, but right. he added so much to this particular a specialty match by telling the backstory that I had mm-hmm. to compliment him as much as I, I make bad comments about him too on this particular podcast. Yeah. But uh, they they do add something to a broadcast, whether it's radio or TV. Uh, and if, yeah. if you're a baseball fan, to me, I love watching baseball live. It's one of my favorite things. But if you're watching a baseball game, you're not necessarily watching the action you're listening to the announcers tell the story of the game and how it's developing yeah. and it will really help you understand all the, uh, the psychological things that go into baseball. And then last night, now I don't know if you're a hockey fan or not. I was watching mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay lightning beat the, your New York Islanders one to nothing. Yeah. And Kenny Albert, it, it was unreal how he followed the game and just, I yeah. was so impressed. Uh, because hockey is a game that I really enjoy watching, but I think I enjoy watching it more on TV uh, because yeah. the, if the announcer is good, it just the buildup, the just, oh, it's – and there's nothing like Game 7 in hockey. Just nothing like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was – I didn't get to see it last night because I was out of the at the dirt track races, but I've been watching some of the other series. And I'm not – uh, an avid hockey fan um i but i was following this and i was rooting for the islanders through that mm-hmm. and, and it's another thing of like i would like to get more involved in it but the same way um, i have seen hockey games in person and again enjoyable um you know we have um a team that, you know, we have a team here the utica Comets, who was originally the farm team well um we've had a few different ones originally we used to have a farm team for the new jersey devils uh, it's actually going back to being the New Jersey Devils, and then we have—they uh, were the farm team for the Vancouver Canucks for the past few years. So mm-hmm. when they first came back around for the AHL, um, I went to because I was still working at the radio station at the time. I wasn't working it, but I got free tickets to the show or to the to the game. So I went, and again, same thing, very enjoyable. But yeah, I, I decided I kind of wanted to watch a little bit of postseason. You know, I've been watching a little bit of the NBA postseason. I've been watching a little bit of the NHL postseason. I don't usually watch regular season games. The only thing I really watch regular season is like NFL and, you know, some other things here and there, but um, same thing, you know, like the commentary and the commentary, the crowd, like all of that, like energy was like, yeah, this is, this is really interesting, really fun. And especially for somebody who doesn't watch this regularly, Mm -hmm. like I got no clue what's going on. Like those announcers are especially for those new fans. So, so important because Me watching a hockey game, like I was watching at the dirt track last night, I couldn't really hear the announcer while the races were going on. I had a loose idea of what was happening, but I didn't really know 100%. If I had that ability to hear that, I think I would have enjoyed it that much more. And especially as a new person, you need that to describe those stories for you because the most interesting thing about sports – and it's kind of how it ties into pro wrestling and what makes that interesting is the stories that are from it now in pro wrestling they're manufactured in sports that are native or natural for the most part but that is because that's the hook that's what makes you like yeah you're interested in seeing these athletes do cool things but if it happens in a bubble and nobody has any personality and no teams have any rivalries like you're gonna get bored of that after a while but if you know the history if you know you know my chicago bears in the history with them in green bay you know like if you know those things and they're described to you by the announcers, it just makes it that much more interesting and that much more important.
0: Uh, we've been talking uh, about the the game called Book It, the pro wrestling uh, uh, promoter game, and with uh, the promoter himself, the guy who came up with the game, uh, Paul Laporte. And Paul, I want to talk one more thing about your game. I was just online, and you've got some caricatures of some of the wrestlers that you have uh, that are cartoonish-looking. Mm-hmm. I noticed one... The one that's up in the upper left-hand corner of the of the book at game, and he's got the lucha libre shirt on, and it looks like uh, like kind of like uh, Marty the Moth Martinez uh, from the old Lucha <laughs> Underground, uh, and Marty yeah. is actually lives here in Utah and just got married, and uh, and he's been on our podcast several times, but I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. send him a picture of that. <laughs> so yeah, Marty he,
1: actually has the card. Oh, he does. He's a great yeah, guy, man. He actually, so- he, yeah, he is. He actually he worked at the TIW show. He was definitely one of the favorite people that we brought in. We always wanted to have him back and never jived up because at the time – it was like his lucha underground schedule just it wasn't working um but uh you know i told him about it then um we promoted the game at wrestlecon a few times and i actually was able to give him his card at wrestlecon i think he like shot a little vlog thing for his his youtube channel at the time too Aww. he maybe it might be you know, in a desk somewhere and he may have forgotten about it but yeah he is you know obviously as you go through the game there are a lot of inspirations for different wrestlers and whatnot you know yeah. when i did the original version of the game everybody was like a real world person and then i kind of uh, I worked, the artist Alex Mahoney actually has done, uh, she's actually an, uh, um, an artist for the independent wrestlers for merch design and things oh, cool. like that. So she's made t-shirts for like The Young Bucks, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, like a lot of different wrestlers, um, many of which are featured in the game, some of which, you know, some of which are not. Um, so, you know, we kind of came up with the idea of like kind of wanting to do characters and some things are like combinations of two people or a reference to somebody's old gimmick or something mm-hmm. they've done in their career or whatnot. Um, and yeah, at that time when I made the game, I was very, very heavily into Lucha Underground. It was my favorite show at the oh. time that I was watching. Um, and I definitely, I wanted, you know, like i made a bunch of different ones and I wanted Marty, Marty in there. Uh, so yeah, he, he was in, and like I said, he is one of the few people, there's been a couple other wrestlers who, you know, they're, i have I've gotten to, you know, like tell them about their inspirations or their counterparts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of them and yeah, he actually out of one of the copies of the game I gave him his card. Um, so he, he has that. Um, so you know, like I said, if you bring it up to him maybe maybe it'll jog his memory. Maybe he <laughs> you know, like it's a super busy guy, he might have forgotten all about it. But yeah. Um he again, same thing. He has uh I actually have a funny Marty the Moss story oh, um real quick from when when he from when he worked uh from when he worked our our show, like when he worked at the TIW show. He's working against my friend um Evan, uh Damon Ravage is his is his in ring name and I'm I'm sitting there setting up commentary and I'm kinda of, we're all kinda of like getting ready before the show and whatnot. And Marty is going over a spot with, with Damon where uh he says he's like, All right, well so while you're down, I'm gonna like kick you and I'm gonna like hit you and work you over and I'm gonna be like yeah, come on, like uh like, come on, Savage, come on, Savage, let's go, let's go. And he's like, and he's like that's gonna get the people chanting for you, you know. And then the show comes on and they do that spot, and exactly as he predicted it, like magic. Mm. He does that. Like, come on, Savage, what are you doing, Savage? Savage, Savage, like he called it exactly. Oh. Like that was where it was probably like like I said, he was just he was a class act, and I, I love the guy, he's fantastic but that probably was like the most impressive thing was that and and good wrestlers can do this. Like they have perfect commands, of what the audience thinks of them and what they're going to do and how they're going to react to it, and it's like they're they're conducting an orchestra almost. And it's like you think you have free will over the stuff, but this guy had it planned all along, and it was just so impressive. For me. like, man, he called that perfectly, and it was it was it was such a great moment for me. Like, it was fantastic.
0: Well, Marty is coming back from injury. He had uh, hurt his back a couple of years ago, and actually yep. had to take two years off. And I saw him during this uh, hiatus, uh, and I talked to him for a short time. And he was kind of worried whether he could be able to get back in the ring. But he uh, did uh, perform at uh, uh, AEW, a dark episode once and did a great job on that. I think he was taking on uh, Brian Cage, the machine. And uh, then I also, uh, you know, Marty was on a a Comic-Con panel about pro wrestling. And I was lucky Mm -hmm. enough to be asked to be on the panel. And I remember him and I were just like little kids talking about wrestling and he just got married. Big shout-out to uh, Martin. And uh, I know he's trying to get booked a lot in the West right now. But maybe he'll come back uh, to the East and, and you guys can get him I'll again. I'll tell
1: you. I mean, I definitely know some people who would love to have him back if we can make it work. You know, yeah. I, I, he, was, he definitely made a very positive impact on all the fans and all of us backstage. You know, like just absolute class act the whole way. Great in the ring. Great in the crowd. Like – we, we loved him. We tried to, like I said, we tried to get him back at a couple different times. It just never ended up working out, but we, you know, once everything again, I know, you know, like one of the CIW is still sidelined right now until all the pandemic stuff gets lifted. you know, because right. they want to be super safe. And I, resp- I I have a lot of respect for them for that decision, but, if he ever wants to make his way back, he like we, we, we definitely, There's definitely people who are interested in him, for sure.
0: Well, good. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being on the podcast with us, both podcast, uh, Turnbuckle Trash and also on Radio Guy uh, Reflections. And uh, once again, let's talk about your game and how people can get the game and give them websites and cost and all that, man.
1: So, uh, again, this is Book It, the pro wrestling promoter card game. Uh, it's available for, like I said, it's retail for $40. Every once in a while we have some um, discounts and things like that. We actually just did one because uh, Dan the Dad and Warhorse uh, actually played it on their Twitch stream. Uh, so I kind of like popped up a coupon code for that. So every once in a while we'll see one of those comes along. Um, But it's normally about $40. Again, you know, the replay value on it's pretty high. We have a couple expansions if you're interested in really getting into the game. Um, That's available through our website, which is foamhammergames.com. So foam, like the squishy stuff hammer like the thing you hit a nail with games.com all one word um or you can also get it on amazon as well um we get a little bit bigger of a cut from it if you go to our website but whatever works for you go right ahead uh, also if you're international you have to go through our website uh the amazon is only available for uh united states customers um so you know you can get those things for there everything's in stock currently we, we currently had a period where we were kind of out of stock because we were sold out but everything's back in stock will be available for the near future so everything should be available for that and also if you're you know one of the more technically inclined people or you like to play things digitally there's a couple of versions of the game that exist in digital formats through uh platforms like tabletopia or tabletop simulator you know you can go to our website and you can get more information on that
0: that's fascinating stuff and i appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and we wish you the best and
1: well, thank you so much for having me on i'd love to come back
0: And that's Radio Guy Reflections, a podcast about radio and the people behind the microphone. In future podcasts, we'll look at what makes us successful and sometimes a train wreck of a radio show. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. We'll talk with people who started in radio and moved on to success in other fields. Radio Guy Reflections will be back soon with another show about radio and the men and women who produce the radio programs you've loved to listen to. Radio Radio Guy Reflections is a production of Dave's Voice Works.